Likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of the Father? Can you answer that? And they said to him, the first, and that's the correct answer. Which spoke louder, the one that said, yes, I'll go, but never went, or the one that said, no, I'm not going to do it, but then had a change of heart and went and did it? Which, which speaks louder to you? Which, which one would you, would you rather have the talker, or would you rather have the walker? I'd rather have the walker, wouldn't you? The one that was a little reluctant at first, but then he went ahead and did it. I'd rather have that one. That speaks louder to me than someone that just says, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, but then they never show up. Speaking today for a few moments about actions speak louder than words. How many of you know actions speak louder than words? It's one thing to talk, but it's another thing to have a walk that backs up the talk. And in Matthew 15, verse 7, Jesus says this, Matthew 15, verse 7. He says to this group of people, he says, hypocrites. Now, what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who says one thing and then what? Does, does another. And more we could say about it, but that's certainly one characteristic of a, of a hypocrite. He says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? That's a prophet in the Old Testament. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth or their lips and honor me with their lips, but their what? Their heart is far from me. And your heart, of course, from your heart, actually, you produce action. And again, have you ever found this out? Talk can be very cheap. Has anybody ever discovered that beside me? Talk can be very cheap. Um, you know, in pastoring over the many, many, many years, and we've had such great, wonderful people but you always, and in any church you go to, it doesn't matter. You're all, and in life, it doesn't matter if it's a church or in your work or wherever you are, you're going to run into people that talk a real good game, but don't walk such a real good game. I know in, in golf, and I think it's true in probably just about every sport, uh, and, and it's almost in every area. I'm always wary. You know what I mean when I say wary or cautious of somebody that, that talks a good game? But you know the one I'm really concerned about is when you ask somebody, how good are you at golf? And they say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I guess. I'm all right. I'm fair. You need to watch that person because, you know, usually you get out there and they're going to just bust one right down the middle about 300 yards and really play, play well. And a lot of times I've run into people that talk a good game of golf but don't play such a good game. But it's true so much in life and so many things. You get people that talk a good game. But then their actions seldom follow it up. And, and so actions speak louder than words. And the Lord not only wants our words to be ordered aright, but he wants our actions to match our words. You know, in Amos, the fifth chapter, you can turn over there. If you don't, don't have, a, 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 have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen. But Amos, the fifth chapter, he was a prophet in the Old Testament, a man of God in the Old Testament. And he was speaking, the Lord was speaking through him, and in Amos chapter 5, verse 21, the Lord said this concerning the people's 
um, gatherings, we could say it in our day, the way we would say it, concerning like their church services. Or when they came to synagogue, we would say it. Here's what the, when they would come together, you know, in their feasts and whatnot. Here's what the Lord said, Amos 5.21. The Lord said, I hate, I despise your feast days. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Can you imagine God saying, I hate church? Can you imagine that? But why did he say that? Verse 23 says, he'll tell us, Take away from me the noise of your songs. Now, when I sing, it's not very very good. You don't want me up there leading worship. It would be horrible noise if I, when I sing. But you know, to the Lord, it's beautiful. This had nothing to do with them having a good worship team or not a good worship team. This had nothing to do with their ability of song. Because no matter how bad you sing, even if you sing bad like me, it's beautiful to the Lord if you're doing it out of a right and a pure heart. But God said, verse 23, He said, Take away from me the noise of your songs. In other words, the words, uh, songs are composed of words, aren't they? He said, Take away from me the noise of your songs. For I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. And why? Verse 24 tells us. He says, let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. What, what was going on here? This was a group of people that they didn't live for the Lord during the week. They, they, their actions were not righteous. They didn't live right during the week. Uh, but then they'd get together at the assembly and they'd sing unto the Lord. And the Lord said, I hate that. In other words, he said, I don't want to listen to those words if your actions during the week aren't, 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 aren't holy and right. You know, when I was a, a kid growing up, I observed many different people. And uh, I observed a certain uh, person, and, and actually several that uh, they they would go to church every Sunday, and you know that was all good and fine. But during the week, they lit. I mean, they, they just cussed. I mean, they cut like my mother would say, they cussed like a Jenny mule. Now, if you don't know what that means, there was a certain family. Their last name was Jenny Mule, and they cussed and cussed and cussed and cussed. And so my mother came up with the phrase "cussing like a Jenny mule." So if you didn't know the Jenny mules, you wouldn't know what I was, uh, what, what, what I meant by that. But has anybody ever heard anybody cuss like a Jenny mule? You know, I mean, just, just, just. just. But during the week, they would just cuss like a Jenny mule, and they would just live just raucous, horrible lives, cuss one another out, just so on and so forth. And then they'd come to, to church on Sunday, and we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. And then they'd go over to Walmart and find somebody and cuss them out. Now, how many of you know, you see, they're singing in church. God says, what, I hate that. Shut that off. Turn that off. Change the channel. I don't want to listen to that. What is he saying? He, he, God is more concerned, I'm con- convinced, about our actions than he is our words. Can anybody say amen? Our words are important. Don't misunderstand me. But if we're going to live like the devil during the week, 
and live just like the world during the week and then come to come on Sunday and then be all holy. And the real test, the real Christian walk is not done in the church. You need to understand that. Anybody can, for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, can live right and talk right and act right. The real uh, Christian walk, the real test of that is what are you going to do at Walmart when somebody takes the last box of Honey Nut Cheerios that you made a special trip there to get and they grabbed it off the shelf before you? How are you going to act then? When somebody cuts in front of you at Walmart, Walmart in the line or when somebody uh, cuts you off in traffic. See, that is the real test, you see, not what happens here at church. Can you say amen to that? How do you treat your wife when uh, nobody else is around? How do you treat your husband when nobody else is around, you see? Actions speak louder than words. And so you had a group of people here that they weren't living right during the week, and then they'd come on the, at, the, at the assembly, and then they'd sing to the Lord, and God said, turn that off, I don't want to listen to that. that, that's, that, that that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Very sobering. Go to Matthew 7, verse 21, if you would. Matthew 7, verse 21. <clears throat> Jesus said here, when he made this statement, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Very sobering, isn't it? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who what? But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Do you know there's a lot of people that think they're saved just because they say Jesus is Lord? Do you know that won't save you, just saying that? How many of you know it won't? There's a lot of people think that they can just say a prayer, what's known as the sinner's prayer, and that'll automatically save them. How many of you know that? If the sinner's prayer, you know what the sinner's prayer is? It's a prayer where you receive the Lord as your Savior. That's meaningless unless it's coming from a believing heart. Is that right? And, and if you read on down here, and I'm not going to take the time now, but you could read on down several verses and you could see that Jesus was talking. Well, in fact, let's just read on down. I think we ought to. Verse 22. I didn't have it in the notes there, but read, read, read verse 22. Notice what he says here. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Can we get those other verses? I know I hear Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Next verse. And then I'll declare to them, I never what? I never knew you. Depart from me, you who what? Practice lawlessness or practice sin. That lines up with what we just read from Amos, doesn't it? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, actions speak louder than words. Go to Ephesians 2, verses, verse, verse 8, if you would. Very sobering message here. Simple message, but sobering. We need to take it to heart. Ephesians 2, 8, for by... Now, now listen to this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, it's a free gift, salvation's a free gift. Look at verse 9, not of what? Not of works, not of works or actions, lest anyone should boast. So there's no good deeds that you can do to get saved. You're saved by what? Grace through what? Through faith. And in the words of Sean Spicer, how many knows who he is? Mr. Trump's former press secretary. I'm going to just say, say this. I, I like this. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, period. Real loud, say period. Period. And he's right. There's nothing you can do on your best day, you and me put together, to work our way into heaven. Isaiah the prophet said, our righteousness before God is as filthy rags. The only way you and I are going to get to heaven is by repenting of our sins and, and calling on the name of the Lord Jesus out of a believing heart. But pastor, you just said, uh, not every, didn't Jesus just say, every, just because you call me Lord, you're not, yeah, that's what he said, but who was he talking to? He was talking to a, a bunch of people that were, just had lip service, but their heart really wasn't changed. Can you say amen? But I tell you what, if you with a repentant heart, Turn to the Lord and believe with all your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Just that quick, you get saved, and it's a free gift from God. You'll miss hell and make heaven. Isn't that good news? But if you do that, if you do that, then guess what happens? Verse 10 goes into effect. Look at this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, if you're truly saved, if you've truly received Jesus as your Savior, listen, you won't be perfect. You'll make mistakes. How many of you have missed it and sinned since you got saved? Anybody besides me? Yeah, we, we all miss it. But the, the, the thing that this is bringing out here is that if you really get saved and the Lord Jesus really comes into your heart, there is going to be some evidence of that. And he's talking, he's saying amen. He's saying, go on, Grandpa, preach on. Thank you, that's right. That's my grandson there. And that's my granddaughter over there. And that's my daughter-in-law there. And that's my wife there. (laughs) But you see, if you really get saved, there's going to be a change, isn't there? There's going to be some evidence of it. There's going to be some good works there. And, and if you're truly saved, I was just reading this yesterday, King David in the Old Testament, a saved man, as saved as you can get, and he missed it. And the, he, he, he committed adultery, and he, he, was a, he committed murder. And the Bible said that, he said, he said it of himself, because he, he tried to cover it up there for about a year, and, 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 and he said this, he said, God's heavy hand of discipline was on me. See, if you're truly saved, and you miss it, you sin, you're not. You're, you're going to be one of the most miserable people. You know. You know the most miserable person in the world is somebody that's really saved, but they're not living for the Lord. Did you know that's really the most miserable? You know, when I say miserable, I don't mean that. I'm not saying anything bad about them. I'm just saying on the inside they're miserable. They're not happy. Let's say it another way. The most unhappy person in the world is somebody that really loves the Lord, but yet they still have. They're still hung up with sin. 
Because you see, they, they, they've got the Lord on the inside, and they're holding on to the Lord with one hand, but they're still trying to hold on to the world with the other. And that's one of the most, most they're, they're so miserable on the inside. I know I used to be like that at times over the many years and years gone by. It's a miserable place to be because, you know, you, you come to church and you really can't enjoy church because there's things in your life that aren't right. And then when you go out and you're doing the things that aren't right, you're miserable. You can't even enjoy the sin because the Lord's hand of discipline is on you. Did you hear what I just said? I need to say that again. When, when you're really a Christian, you're saved and, and, and the Lord's in your heart. You, 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 you come to church and you can't enjoy church because that, the hand of the Lord's discipline and it's on you because He loves you and, he, and, and, and you can't enjoy church because you know there's things in your life that's not right. And then when you go out in, during the week, you can't even enjoy the sin because, because you, you know, you're saved and you can't enjoy either one. It's a miserable place to live. Can anybody say amen? And so just let go of the things of the world. Those things aren't worth anything anyway. Just go ahead and live for God. What do you say? But the point I'm trying to make here is that if you're truly saved, there's going to be evidence of it. And that's what Jesus was saying there. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because you see, if somebody, as I've seen so many of them over the years, they'll even come into an altar and say a prayer. They'll say, Jesus is Lord, and I believe on the Lord, and all of that. But then their life never changes, ever. And, and, and they continue on living that old life of sin, and it doesn't bother them a lick. That's what Jesus is talking about. But if, you're truly, if you truly call on Him and He changes you, then there will be some evidence of it. You won't be perfect, but there'll be evidence of it. Look at James, the second chapter and the 14th verse. James, the second chapter and the 14th verse. James was speaking here, and this was the Lord's half-brother. He grew up with Jesus. When I say half-brother, Jesus was born of a virgin. You understand that. But this James was the offspring of Joseph and Mary, whereas Jesus was the offspring of God and and Mary. But nonetheless, this man was a pastor, and he did not believe on the Lord Jesus when they were growing up. But once Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to James, and James became a Christian, a believer, and then a pastor of that church in Jerusalem. And... uh, he said this in verse 14. He said, James 2:14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works or actions? Can faith save him? Well, listen. I could go through and read you dozens of scriptures that faith in Jesus saves you, period. Realize say period? Period. And at first glance, it looks like James is contradicting those dozens of scriptures that say that faith can save you, faith and faith alone. He's not contradicting anything. If you read this in the Greek language and and really understood what he was saying, he was saying this. He was saying, can that kind of faith save you? Did you know there is a counterfeit faith? Do you know there's something that looks like faith and even talks like faith and even acts like faith, but it's not faith? As you study the Bible. Did you know the Bible? The Bible says in the New Testament there's two things that, that, that talks about being counterfeit. There's a counterfeit faith and there's a counterfeit love. Have you ever had somebody say to you, I love you, but when you need them they're not there? 
Is that a counterfeit love? I've even had people act like they've loved me over the years until it came down to the rubber hits the road and the nitty gritty and they're nowhere to be found. You see, that's not real love. See, there is a counterfeit love. There is a counterfeit faith. And what he's talking about here, he's saying, can that kind of faith save a person? And the answer is no. If someone just says, I have faith, but they don't have any corresponding action, we just talked about it, that kind of faith can't save anyone. And then read verse 15, and it clarifies it. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Can you see that this is talking about a a person that's just a talker, but not a walker? A person that says, you know, I've got faith, I've got all this faith, and and, and I love love you, and I've got all this faith, and I love you, but then, you know, you don't have enough food, and I got plenty of food back here, and you you need some, and and I I just shut the cupboards up, and I say, well, I'll pray for you, but I don't give you anything. Can that, is that, see, that's a counterfeit faith. Somebody say amen. See, if you truly have the faith of the Bible... You're going to do whatever you can to help somebody. Not just do so in words. And so what James is talking about here is, it's a different, it's a counterfeit faith. A lot of people read verse 14 and he says, can faith save him? And yes, faith can save you, but not this kind of faith because he's talking about a counterfeit faith. Real Bible faith is all you need to get saved. But if you have real Bible faith, there'll be a, there'll, 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 there'll be corresponding action. You could go on here and read. We won't take the time. But the Bible says faith without corresponding actions is what? Does anybody know? Is dead. See, there's a counterfeit dead faith. And that kind of faith is, is a faith that just talks, but there's no walk to it. There's no action. There's no follow-up. There's no... You get what I'm saying? If we took the time, we could read on down in this chapter, and I could talk for hours on this chapter. I'm not going to do it, but it talks about Abraham. And if you know anything about Abraham in the Old Testament, you could read it. Abraham, the Bible says it clearly that he was justified, he was declared righteous by faith. I'm using Sean Spicer a lot. What are we going to say? Period. Period. Abraham was justified by faith. What? Period. And the Bible's clear. But if you read on down here a little bit, and I'll not take the time, but you could read about Abraham. And James makes the statement, says that, that, that he was saved by works. But I could talk on it for hours. But actually what, what James is bringing out is, see, Abraham was saved by faith. But then he did something to prove that he had faith. He laid his son on the altar. Isaac, remember that? Did you know that, and most people don't realize this, but Abraham believed God, he got saved, he got declared righteous, 
And it wasn't until many years later that he got circumcised. See, because some people would say you have to be circumcised back there then to be saved. He got saved, then many years passed, then he was circumcised. And then I think it was 30 years after he got saved is when he laid Isaac on the altar. A lot of people don't realize that. Isaac was just a young man. Some say he was as old as 30. He could have been as young as 5 or 6. I don't know. But do you see that? The kind of faith Abraham had, how many of you know he was sold out to God to lay his son on the altar? That takes faith, doesn't it? I said, that takes faith. And, and, and why could he lay his son on the altar? See, God doesn't require that of any of us to lay our son on the altar. He required it of Abraham, and Abraham did it. But it takes great faith to do that. And, and, and Abraham could do that because he what? He believed God. And, and, and it's very clear, and actually you can read it in Hebrews, he believed God so much that, and Abraham wasn't perfect, he had a lot of, a lot of problems, he, he told some half-truths, and how many of you know half-truth equals a whole lie, I mean, he wasn't perfect, but I'm not perfect either, are you? But I love God, so did Abraham, and he believed God, and, and he believed God so much that, 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 the book of Hebrews tells us that he, he believed him so much that, that even if, when he laid him on the altar, even if, if, if he would have been able to, because how many of you know when he, was, he put the knife in the air and was ready to sacrifice his son, and remember there was a ram caught in the thicket. How many remember, remembers that? And, but, but he believed in God so that he had it on the inside of him. He knew that if he, if he killed his son, God would raise him from the dead. That's really believing God, isn't it? And you could talk about Rahab also, if you read down further there in James, the, the, the second chapter talks about Rahab. And we talked about, how many enjoyed that last week when we talked about the ten spies, and, and, and the twelve spies? And, 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 but, but remember when the two spies came in, she hid them. See, Rahab got saved 40, about 40 years before she hid those spies. But when she hid those spies, she put her life on the line. See, it took faith. See, I'm talking about real Bible faith. We've, there's something that has concerned me for years and years and years, and it's, it's, it's this easy believism. Have you ever heard of easy believism? We're just going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, just have a mental assent, and we think we're saved, but our life never changes. How many of you know that's a dangerous thing to believe, easy believism? We're just going to believe... That Jesus is Lord. James, you could read it there in James' the second chapter. He said, you believe there's one God, you do well. The demons also believe and tremble. Just because you believe there's a God doesn't mean you're saved. Somebody say amen. There's a lot of people think, well, I believe in God. Well, there's a lot of people believe in God. What, who we talk? Some people believe in Allah and think they're saved. They run people over with trucks. Is that right? How many of you know Allah and Jehovah are not the same? Allah is not the same God as the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you need to understand that. Now, we need to walk in love towards people, and I'm not putting anybody down, but we need to get our God straight. Is that right? But this easy believism, well, I'm just going to say a prayer. and, and Look, if you're saying that prayer and it's coming out of a heart of faith, yes, you get saved. Yes, but then if you really get saved, there's going to be, when you go to sin, guess what happens? There's going to be that hand of God on you and the sin ain't going to be near as fun anymore. Is that right? Listen, dear friends, if you can go sin and it don't bother you at all, you need to check up and see if you're really saved. 
And James talked about these things. And you, you ought to read James, the second chapter, sometime. But if you really have Bible faith, you're going to, like Abraham, he was willing to put his son on the altar. Rahab, she put her life on the line. John 3.18, I'm not trying to put anyone down, I'm just trying to sober us all up. John 3.18, you getting anything out of this? I'm just, just, this is what the Lord gave me today to preach. I don't know why I'm preaching it, I was going to go preach something else. I couldn't hardly sleep at all Sunday, what was it, Saturday, into Saturday morning and he wakes me up once this, this message so there must be somebody here that needs to hear it. 1 John 3.18. Just a few more of these and then we'll close. Let's read some scriptures here. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in what? And if you study into that, what he's saying there, my little children, let us not love only in word and in tongue. How many of you know we do need to love in word and in tongue? We do need to tell people we love them. Dear friends, tell your wife you love her. You don't have to do it right now, but you can if you want. And wives, tell your husband, thank you, honey. But don't just tell her you love her. What good? I've already seen, I've heard of, I don't think I've ever seen, I've heard of men that would tell their wife they love them and then beat them up later that day. Did you say what I thought you said? Yeah, where they had to go in for surgery because they beat him with a baseball bat. I'd rather have somebody loving me indeed, not just in word on that one. How about you? But we need to do them both. We need to love in words and with our deeds. Look at Romans 5, 8. Tells us how God loved us. Very quickly, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. See, God's not just a talker. He's a talker, all right, but He's a walker. God demonstrates. Realize, say, demonstrates. He demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, what? Christ, did God give His only Son for us? Did He put His Son on the altar? He put His Son on the cross, didn't He? And He did that while we were still sinners. Is that right? Boy, God loves us. But He doesn't love us just in word. He loves us also in deed. Look at this one. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. For the sake of time, she'll just throw these up here to save a little time. You can mark them, look them up. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your husbands. And I want to throw something else in, in the full context. For a wife to be submissive to her husband, the husband needs to love his wife, even as Christ loved the church. So, so the submissiveness only works if the husband is loving the wife as Christ loved the church. So wives, and there's another scripture where it says we should be submissive to one another. So we don't want to put, put women down here. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some, now watch this, even if some do not obey the word, they, what's that, what is it, they what? With, without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Did you know you can win somebody to the Lord without saying a word? Did you know that? Look at verse 2. When they observe your chaste or holy conduct accompanied by fear or reverence. I think one reason 
that a lot of times, well, I know this is for sure, one reason that the world is so turned off by Christians, if you ask most sinners, hey, come to church, and they'll say no, and why do most people that don't come to church, why don't they come to church? They say, hey, come to church, and, and, the, and they say no, and, and one of the first reasons they'll give is they'll say all those people down there are... And if the shoe fits, we have to what? The one, the one philosopher, he was not a Christian. He said, I would become a Christian if I ever met a Christian that really acted like a Christian should act. Something, isn't it? I'm not saying there aren't any good Christians out there. There's a lot of them. But, but you know, if because if, you see the world, they really... They listen to what we say, but they, I'm talking sinners, they listen to what we say, but really more than what we say, they're watching how we act. And you know how to be a very powerful witness for the Lord Jesus is you don't ever have to even open up a Bible and read a scripture. You just let your words be full of love and then back those words up with good actions. And I tell you what, that can say more to people than reading them 18,000 scriptures. Is that right? Now, I'm not demeaning the Scripture. We need to bring that in there at some point. But I tell you what, if, you're, if you'll speak right and you'll, you'll live right to back it up, there'll come a time where, like my wife, she got saved. I mean, she was going to hell in a handbasket. If she had, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, is that right? I'm talking when she was a, a, a teenager, 14 years old. She was going to hell in a handbasket. If she hadn't got saved, she would have died probably before she hit her 21st birthday. You need to understand that. And God changed her. But you know how he changed her? Not from somebody preaching to her. She went in and she had a friend at school. And she just said, why are you so happy? Just because somebody in her high school was happy and had a smile on their face. And that's how she came to the Lord Jesus. And they said, because I, they said, how could, she said, how come you're so happy? And what did they say? Because I'm, I know Jesus. And she got saved. Isn't that wonderful? See, actions speak louder than words. Look at this, since we're talking about our... Look at this, this fits in real good here. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2. 2 Corinthians, you are our what? Our... See, Paul is saying this to people in Corinth, the church in Corinth. He said, you are our epistle. Written in our hearts. Known and read of all men. Just leave that up there for a moment. We need to understand that. You know there's something that's more powerful than handing out gospel tracts? We are gospel tracts. Is that right? Everywhere we go, we are what? A living epistle known and read of all men. What we say as Christians, what we do, is so very important. Let's be a church that when we invite people to come over here, they don't say, well, they're all hypocrites. Why? Why? Because we Speak right and we what? We live right. Isn't, isn't, wouldn't that be good if we could be like that? And I think mo- most of us probably are. I could improve a little bit in some areas. How about you? And then verse 3 says, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ. You know what an epistle is. That's a letter. Ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on tables of flesh, that is, of the heart. Look at just a few more. Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light. Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they may what? See your 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 1 Peter 2.12. We're going to read this in the New Living Translation. 1 Peter 2.12. A lot of scriptures here, but look. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. That's a good scripture, isn't it? All these are. Titus 2 verse 7. I'm going a little quick here because I want to get you out here. It's getting a little late. Second, or Titus 2 7. Let's go there. You know, we've been talking about words and actions. I think we ought to have them both. Good words and good actions. Look at this. This is Titus 2.7. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of what? Good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, uh, reverence, and incorruptibility. Right? Verse 8. Sound what? Speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. What did those two verses say? We ought to be persons of people of good words and good actions. And we'll close with Colossians 3.17. I'm not demeaning words here. Say this. Say the pastor is not demeaning words. I'm not demeaning words. I could talk for hours about the importance of words. And, and words are so important. We need to order our confession right. And it has so much to do with living by faith and all of that. But what I'm saying is, is that we can speak all the right words. But if the actions don't back it up, what good is it? So we need to have good words and sound speech and our good behavior to back it up. And boy, that'll be a powerful testimony to the world. Look at Colossians 3:17. And whatever you do in what? In what? In word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Stand with me if you would. Stand with me and bow your heads if you would. Uh, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, this would be a good time to receive Him. There'll be some men and women standing up here after the service is over here in just a minute or two. If you don't know where you stand with the Lord, you don't know what's going to happen to you when you die. You don't know, am I going to go to heaven? Am I going to go to hell? I don't have a clue. Listen, if you don't have a clue, that's not a good thing. You need to know. The only way you can know is if you receive Jesus as your Savior. Remember, there's nothing you can